What's up, Grizz Nation, and welcome to the show. The whole crew is here. It's David podcast. We find out the Grizzlies are matching up against the Minnesota Timberwolves after seeing this game, well, about three quarters of this game. I was begging and pleading for it to be the Los Angeles Clippers because the Grizzlies win that series in four. This is going to be a little bit tougher matchup. But we're here. We're going to talk about that game a little bit. We're going to talk about the Grizzlies seasoning, our seasoning. We cooking them. We cooking the Grizzlies. That's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> we, we having some Grizzlies. Uh, no, we're we're going to talk about the Grizzlies season. Uh, just kind of defensive player of the year. We got a whole uh, whole bunch of crap to talk about, and we'll jump into it. I know that we kind of talked a little bit before, and I think that we were all on the same page that we wanted to see the Clippers win even before this game started. Did that change at all for, for you guys? And obviously not that it matters at this point. We know that we get the T-Wolves, so here we are. No, for me, uh, it, it didn't change at all. I think um, I mean, you watch that Clippers team, and we've talked about it throughout the year. Man, David have had conversations about this. I mean, they don't even have a point guard. Right? They don't have a real point guard. Um, and with Paul George, Paul George is a guy that, I mean, he's tremendous. Don't get me wrong, but he's a guy that's, thrives on isolation, he kind of creates for himself. They don't really have anyone that, that creates offense for them in that way. They turn the ball over a lot, which we know the Grizzlies feed off of that. Uh, that that's the optimal. They, they also, they're not going to stop the Grizzlies from getting up and down. I, I just think you look at that Clippers team, and it, it's weird to me because I was talking to some people online right before we came on here on Twitter, um, and there are still people that said they'd rather play Minnesota. And I'm kind of scratching my head. I don't know how you look at those two teams and feel like, Minnesota is the better matchup. Now, I think the Grizzlies would win either series, but that Minnesota team is going to be physical. They're long. They're athletic. And, and it's going to be a battle. We've seen those games throughout the year. I know the Grizzlies weren't healthy, but the style of play is still going to be the same, and it's going to be a battle. I really don't think that Clippers team would have gave them much resistance at all. Like, I could foresee a scenario where they swept the Clippers team. I mean, I, I think four or five, I really don't even see it going six. I think – I would predict Grizzlies in five if they had played the Clippers, but that's neither here nor there now. It's Minnesota, and it's going to be a tough series. I think the Grizzlies win the series, but I, I think it's going to be tough. It's going to be a battle. Those games have been football games uh, this season and even going back to last year. So it, it, it's going to be a battle. And, again, I think easily for me, I would have preferred the Clippers. But, again, man, it did, we're the number two two seed, uh, the second-best record in the NBA. Man, you're not scared of anybody going into a series. And I, I still think the Grizzlies beat the Timberwolves. Uh, but it's going to be a, a fun series. I think it's going to be physical again. It's going to be a longer series than I think it would have been against the Clippers. Like, I could see this one going six or seven. But, um, I mean, I think the matchup is here, man. The Grizzlies just got to go out go out and perform. Um, and for the first time, I think this will be the first time that they played. I might have one matchup this year. with Did Dylan Brooks play in any of those games? No, he did not. I was actually just no, looking okay. over the, right. the box scores. They had, they, we did not play put the sing, a, a single starting lineup that was the same against them. Every time we played them all four times, it was a different lineup. Yeah, and, and again, I think Dylan Brooks makes a big difference in that series. Even historically, for some reason, Minnesota's been a team where he's played really well against, and he's going to be important because perimeter defense is going to be a, a big key to this series. But uh, yep. again, I think I, I would refer to Clippers, but I mean, it's Minnesota and Let's go. Uh, Saturday, 2.30. Yeah, to answer the question, I I, I sort of went back. I, I stuck with the Clippers, and all of a sudden, like 24 hours before, I started going back and forth thinking about, you know, Ty Lue and his adjustments, how, you know, what what he might do to sort of keep, keep Jaren out of the game or what have you. And uh, 
as as well as the, the fact that they're the best three point shooting team since the All Star break. But I mean, really, both of these teams are three point shooting teams. So either way, perimeter defense is going to be a factor. I can't say that I just favored the Timberwolves because of that, but I just sort of, I don't know. I, I maybe I was a little bit more unwavering in either either approach. There are pros and cons to each. Um, but you know, if uh, Minnesota wants Memphis, then the Memphis is what they get. But they always say, "Be careful what you ask for," because yeah, we yeah. run up the smoke. I, we, I, we run all the smoke. Go, yeah, going up the chimney. Yeah, we run up the chimney. I, so, I didn't uh, hear it. I guess I, I got up. And, I got up and walked away before I heard that chant. I wish I would have stuck around and listened to it. But it's, yeah, to, to me, priceless. And I said it before. You know, I have a preference on who they play. I respect both of these teams. But but you see what Ty Lue is capable of from this this performance that you see from Carl Anthony Towns tonight. Yeah, he got into foul trouble, but Ty Lue's scheme was very effective against Carl Anthony Towns. Mm-hmm. Even though you know, like the the minutes played were affected heavily because of the foul trouble, but I, I think you have to give a ton of credit to Ty Lue and what he was able to do there. And that was something that I discussed before. Would love to see the what changes happen throughout that series between Tyloo and Taylor Jenkins. We're not going to get it. Finch has done a fantastic job with this Timberwolves team coming midseason last year, and they could have leaned into a tank to try and get a higher draft pick, but he was not interested in that. He said, we are playing to win, and that's exactly what they've done to finish out last season, and then here they are in the playoffs this year. So a success story, success story from him and the Timberwolves team and now the Grizzlies have work to do. Uh, the Grizzlies are one and two against the Wolves this season. The first matchup. Two and two. Wait, yeah, two and two. two, and two. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I even. missed one in there. My bad. Yeah, they won both of the Memphis won both of the games here, and they won both of the games there. Yeah. Right. I know the first game, the Wolves blew the Grizzlies out. The second game that I saw, the Grizzlies won by eight. And then the most recent one, the Wolves won by five. Which one did I miss there? I the, uh, we got the overtime on November 8th. Yeah, uh, we got the. That's uh, the one that I missed. That's can't hit the half court shot to tie it. We go to yeah. overtime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the one that I missed. Okay, but I th- this series could have easily been in the Grizzlies' favor. Dylan Dylan Brooks did not play in any of those games. Dylan Brooks has played well against the Timberwolves in his career. His point of attack defense, his perimeter defense, is going to play a key role. Isaac has already said all this stuff, but that is going to be important whenever it comes into a seven-game series. The one thing that maybe gives me a little bit of concern is what Anthony Edwards was able to do tonight with Paul George as his primary defender. Yeah. Paul George is one of the best defenders in the league, and Anthony Edwards was still able to go out there and, you know, he was extremely effective tonight. So is, is Dylan Brooks going to be able to get into Anthony Edwards and be physical enough and do the things that he needs to do to keep him off of his game. So that helps the Grizzlies win the series. And also how are the whistles going to be? Is Dylan Brooks going to be allowed to play physical or is he going to get the cheap fouls? If they're calling the cheap fouls, is Brooks going to be able to make the adjustments so he can stay in the game? Cause you have to have him in the game. I think to win this series, if he stays in foul trouble, that could be trouble. Yeah, you, you definitely need him on the floor against this this Minnesota team. And they have two guys uh, on the perimeter that can cause problems for you. Not only can Anthony Edwards cause problems for you, D'Angelo Russell can cause problems for you as well. Yeah. Um, and, and he brings bring some size. I mean, there, there's a lot of things they can do as far as switching other guys on the job to kind of 
crowd him and put size on him. I think that that last game, I think they had D'Angelo Russell on him for a bit, and that was a bit of a problem. And again, that's another reason why I preferred the Clippers team. I just think there are certain things that with their size and length that Minnesota could do that the Clippers couldn't do. Now, Talu was a, a fantastic coach. You just mentioned how he basically schemed calling Anthony Towns out of the game. That's one of the worst games I've ever seen him play. He was in foul trouble, but, I mean, he just couldn't get anything done uh, tonight. But they were extremely physical with him, and they, he just couldn't just couldn't get anything done. I think that a lot of that has to do with Ty Lue and his game plan. And, again, I mean, I think that would have been a, go, a great coaching matchup with, with Ty Lue and, and, and Taylor Jenkins. But I'm not going to get it. Keep, keep beating that damn horse. But uh, you, you look at this team, and you talk about the size of Minnesota and the link, but – when you look at the starting lineup, the Grizzlies actually have the size advantage. It's weird. It doesn't look like that. But Anthony Edwards is listed at 6'4". Dylan Brooks is 6'7". When you think about those two guys, you don't think about Dylan Brooks having a three-inch height advantage on him. But, I mean, Grizzlies all, all the way across the board. you got Pat Beverly, 6'1", John Morant, 6'3". you got D'Angelo Russell, 6'4", Bain, 6'5", Anthony Edwards, 6'4", Brooks, 6'7", Vanderbilt, 6'9", Jared, 6'11", 7'0", Cat, 6'11". Stephen Adams, 6'11", 7 foot. So Grizzlies actually have the size advantage. But when you think about those two teams, it's kind of weird to me because you wouldn't think that, just thinking about it in your head. Yeah, I, w- I would say that uh, I-, I do still have a lot of confidence going into this matchup. I think one of the biggest things that gives me confidence is, yes, we've talked about Dylan Brooks coming back. Um, but just the fact that we've played so many different lineups against this team, uh, we- we've never really seen our starting lineup against this team. Zaire, we've never seen Zaire in his proper place coming off the bench. Uh, a couple of these games, Kyle Anderson started, and we and we know Kyle Anderson has really struggled, especially offensively. And so if he's your starter two out of those two games, you know, I, I think that could very easily make up the difference in those losses. And so um, I, I think the Grizzlies can win in six. I'm going to go Grizzlies in six uh, just because I think our starting lineup, and like you said, it, especially when we're full, we'll have a better size advantage. I think it puts everybody in their right place. And I think we've played them enough at this point that T- Taylor Jenkins will be able to make the necessary adjustments. He does have more experience than um, their head coach when it comes to playoff situations. And so um, I, I think that'll be to our advantage at the end. I was going to say real quick, Chris Bench, according to Timberwolves fans and their media guys, he's the coach of the year. Uh, I don't know think about that, but <laughs> that was one of the things I was talking about the other morning, man. They were all on Twitter talking about he's the coach of the year. I was like, man, you can name five or six guys that I would name. I, I, don't get me wrong. He's done a good job. I mean, turning that team around from where they were last year, but he's not even in the top five, in my opinion, the coach of the year. I can't remember. I think Ben Stenner is one of their writers, uh, put this – like, like, like if, if your coach fits not your coach of the year, like, what are you doing or something to that effect? I'm like, man, I can name like five guys before I name uh, Chris Bench. Like, don't get me wrong. He's a good coach, but he's definitely not top five, not this year for what, what some of the guys in the league have done. Yeah, I don't know that he uh, – I, I don't think Ben is actually – is he just a, a Timberwolves guy? I think he's a national Maybe guy. he is national, but there, but there were other – like, there was a theme on, on Twitter yesterday morning with – writers minnesota writers there were some minnesota writers beat writers that were were saying that like there was a big push for him as coach of the year and i get it i mean you support your guy but i mean it's just it's cap i mean that's all, all i gotta <laughs> say about that <laughs> yeah th- there there are too many other guys that done great things this season monty williams i i think probably ends up winning coach of the year i hate that for taylor jenkins because of expectations yep. you know th- nobody expected the grizzlies to be where they are and on top of that, you miss your best player for 20, what was it, 25 games out of the season, and you go 20 and five without your star player. 
I, I don't know that you see that from any of these other coaches. And so, you know, Ime Udoka from Boston, fantastic job with them as a first-year coach. Um, you know, we, we talked about Eric Spolstra earlier in the season. I was going uh, to say Jay Borrego was a guy that's name hasn't even come up, and I think he should be in that conversation with the job that they he's done with the Hornets. They made some improvements yeah. this year as well. His name does, never comes up. I don't think he's in the top tier of the list, but I think his name should be considered. Yeah, and it, it's not like this. Yeah, the Timberwolves team, they have some youth on this team, but they have guys. Carl Anthony Towns has been in the playoffs. Patrick Beverly, obviously, even though you couldn't tell by his reaction tonight that he's ever been in a playoff series. Uh, and then D'Angelo Russell led the, the Nets to the eight seed to the playoffs whenever he was in Brooklyn. So they do have some experience, but, you know, the, the Hornets don't. And you see Borrego, so – Again, you, yeah. you could list out a, n- a number of different guys. Uh, Bickerstaff in Cleveland, For I don't sure. know if I said him yet, but he he's done a heck of a job with the Cavs. I get it, supporting your guy, but there's not an argument to be made, in my opinion, for uh, Finch over Jenkins in any way, shape, or form. No, or no. any of those people that we no, just, no, I we could because I think I think Finch would be kind of in line with like Borrego that I just said. I think they have a similar kind of resume but i think i would even put borrego over him just because of like you said the youth they do they do have some veteran guys that have kind of kind of been there in cat patrick beverly has been in the playoffs and, and been in some wars so I, I think i would even have borrego over him he probably fifth would he probably wouldn't even be in my top eight like i could probably name eight guys that could that would be in there i mean he's done a tremendous job probably top 10 but he's definitely not coach of the year and they were like saying like solidified he's the guy and i'm like nah man and I, I like what Nick Nurse has done personally. Yeah, Nick Nurse. Like, we haven't even mentioned Nick Raptors. Nurse. Yeah. yeah, with the Raptors, I, I think sure. he's done a great what, what job with it. It's a very young team, too. Yeah. And that they, they, they're, you know, whether they're fifth seed now because they're playing Philly as a fourth yeah. seed. Yeah, they're fifth, fifth seed, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's an incredible up. job. I, I put him over <laughs> I put him over the Timberwolves coaches with. So, um, it, it is what it is. Like you said, it's cap. Uh, not worth spending too much energy on. I, I think Taylor Jenkins probably comes, maybe runner-up, I think, is, is what it may end yeah. up being. I think Monty Williams probably run away with it, mostly because I think he most people think he should have won it last year, and I think that has more to do with it than the actual job Taylor Jenkins has done this year. But, you know, it is what it is. Money to Williams is deserving. So I, don't I tell me that. Don't tell me that. I I hate that so much. <laughs> I'm just telling t- I, I've heard. I've, I've heard I, I think that, that I think that that's probably right. Yeah, but yeah, that's what's gonna happen. Those, exactly right. those type of conversations just irk me to no end. Like the the oh, I can't vote for Giannis for MVP. Because yeah, I can't vote for, before, yeah. for Defensive Player of the Year. If the guy has put in the work and the numbers support it, you vote for the guy. Like whatever the award is, whether it's Defensive Player of the Year, Most Improved, wherever your vote goes, to say oh, I can't vote for this guy because of what happened last year, or I have to vote for this guy. Oh, you, you vote for who deserves happened it. last year. It's a yearly freaking award. Yeah. It's a yearly <laughs> award. But vote the for the guy that deserves it. Back now. Yeah. That's how it works. So maybe Taylor Jenkins can win it next year, but I doubt it just because we're Memphis. So yeah, yeah, I, it that. is. It, that, that's a lot of it. And, and, you know, people outside of Memphis, I, I have a buddy that's not a Grizzlies fan. He's like, y'all, y'all talk about that too much. That's not the case. I said, bro, Tell me, like, Desmond, look at Desmond Bain and what he's doing and how many people are talking about him for the most improved player. You hear about Jordan Poole and what he was able to do, rightfully so. Jordan Poole has been fantastic this year. But if you're talking about the leap in points per game, Desmond Baines and Jordan Poole's are very, very similar. 
And so why, how can you talk about pool and not talk about Desmond Bain? There's one clear cut difference between those two guys. And the only thing is the market. That's it. That's the only and, argument and, that you have. Are they, are they both second year players? Cause I thought pool was a little older. I know that's knock on Bain. He's a second year player. I don't, I don't know. know. See, I don't know how because he was in a G League. I don't know how they. Yeah, I, I want to say pool is, that, pool but, is a but, third year player. At but, least. I, but I do want to. I do want to say this though. Any other team right now, it appears that the Grizzlies are going to be stood out of the wars. Like nobody, because they don't even have Jai, most improved player anymore. He's not even at the top. He was at the top for a while. Doesn't look like he's even going to win that. Even though he's kind of stated that he didn't want to win it anyway. But any other team that had the second best record in the West, they're probably winning something. Somebody from that team. Was his coach of the year, most improved player, MVP, some defensive player of the year. There's going to be some kind of award for that team, and doesn't like the Grizzlies going to get anything. And I believe if there was a different market, that wouldn't be the case. I agree. I have one thing that that is encouraging. You're seeing Ja getting all NBA talk that he deserves that. You know, if, yeah, he is. He's probably going to be second team. Are you first or yeah. second team? I'm fine with either one. I, I think that you can make arguments as to why he should be second team. You can make arguments as to why he should be first team. All defensive teams. I've seen Jaron Jackson get a lot of love for that, and that's more of a second team thing than a first team thing. But that's still you're you're getting looks for these guys. But any other, I I think if if you move this team to a big market and they play the same way that they're playing no, right now, one hundred percent, they'd be it's, getting yeah, everything. Yeah, <laughs> they, everybody's voting for them. So, um, I actually we're talking about the wars. I got that defensive player of the year stuff that right up here in front of me. We can go ahead and and, and talk about that and then move on to something else. But I, I pull it up. A lot of the guys, and then today I've seen a couple other names that I didn't put in here. But a lot of the names that I'm seeing for defensive player of the year is Giannis. Marcus Smart, Mikel Bridges, Rudy Gobert. And, of course, I've got Jaron because this is a Grizzlies podcast. We're going to support our guy. The on-off rate for Giannis, he is uh, on the defensive end. He's a positive 4.3. Or he, the, the defense is four points better with him on the floor as opposed to him off. Marcus Smart, is it's only two points. Rudy Gobert is eight points. That's the best in the league. So if you look at these stats that I got here in front of me, Rudy Gobert should be your defensive player of the year again. I, I don't think that that ends up happening, and I would love to see Jaron get it. He's at 4.7, which is above any other of the guys on this list. Mikel Bridges, the one guy that's on this list that's getting a lot of love for it, the Suns' defense gets better when he is off the floor. Their defense <laughs> is, is a point and a half better when he's off the floor. And so there are so many numbers that you can look at whenever it comes to this argument. I, I'm not going to sit here and act like Mikel Bridges is not a good defender. He's a fantastic defender. But a lot of things, yeah, I know, Isaac, you said that, that somebody mentioned Jaron doesn't rebound the ball well enough yeah. in order to win defensive player of the year. If that's your argument for defensive player of the year, it's absolutely garbage. You, you would never give that award to a guard. Are you going to sit there with a straight face and tell me that Marcus Smart has not been one of the best defensive players this year? Yep. It's, you know, Mikel Bridges is the same way. Yeah, their defense gets better when he went off the floor, which that's craziness. I, I don't know how the hell that happened, honestly, because Bridges, maybe it happens because when he goes off the floor, the best player on the other team is off the floor, and so that's why it's better. Maybe that's the case. But it's just weird to me the way that they – people vote on this stuff, people that actually get votes on this stuff, you look at their list and it's like, how can you support that, man? How can you have 
Mikel Bridges is your defensive player of the year. If I'm giving it to a guard this year, I'm giving it to Marcus Smart, hands down. And can I just I just touch on one point that drives me bonkers about the Mikael Bridges? I know that they have a better record, and, and Mikael Bridges is probably the best defender on that team or one of the best defenders on that team. He's got a lot to do with it. I'm, I won't take that away from him. But the stat that just drives me bonkers that is probably – I feel completely meaningless is, one, the fact that he's never missed a game, which – I don't know how that uh, defensive defensive player of the year is not a, a participation award. It, that's not how it works. It's not per yeah. attendance. It's, it's not different. the Iron Man award. Yeah, that's not how that <laughs> it's not how that works. And then the other one is Mikael Bridges has run the most miles, I think, on the court. And I don't know how that's supposed to indicate any sort of defensive success. I just that's a stat that I've I've asked people, others who are fans of the team, who follow the Sun, genuinely trying to understand the Mikael Bridges hype other than they have the best record and they, they've got a you know strong defense, all of that. And that's what I keep hearing, and it just drives me up a wall because those are the two most meaningless stats I, I think I've ever heard. And meanwhile, Jaron Jackson Jr. has some real true advanced metric stats and just regular stats. I mean, he, he leads the league in, lead in blocks and yeah. stocks. And, I mean, he leads the lead in all these these different things. Is, um on-off court is is – you know, like you said, second best. Uh, it just it drives me crazy with, with so many people putting Mikael Bridges over Jaron Jackson Jr. I think that's, in particular, even if Jaron didn't win it, I think that's what upsets me the most. It's just that, you know, like you said, it just goes down to the market because, you know, if, if Memphis had the market size, I, I think Jaron Jackson's in everybody's list, at least. I, mean, I, I get Rudy Gobert. Um, he kind of came out and spoke about it earlier this week, uh, saying if his name wasn't Rudy Gobert, he number one for defensive player of the year and i get it you look at his numbers i mean i think he deserves he, he, he deserves to be there it, yeah to be right there or or, or right there but mikhail bridges like i and then just that i didn't even know that status you just put out there in fact they get better with him off the floor i know you said that their best player opposing team's best player might be off the floor blah 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 but i don't that's a staggering stat like i don't know how someone could be the favorite because it seems like he's the favorite right now actually yeah. How someone how someone could be a favorite for defensive player of the year and their team actually gets better when metrically when they're out, when they're off the floor. Like I, that's just a damning stat. I don't I just don't know how he's defensive player of the year. And if you're gonna use rebounds, like you said, you can't have Mikael Bridges or Marcus Smart on there either. I mean, I don't right. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Again, I, I just definitely think it comes down to market because I mean if you if you dive into the numbers deeply with the metrics. It's Rudy Gobert and Jaron Jackson Jr. And there's a line like those other guys should be below that line. And neither one of those guys are at the top right now, which in most lists don't even have Jaron on it at all. They go five, six deep and don't have Jaron on it. It's just ridiculous to me, man. It's a shame because I think he he, he deserves it. Hopefully one day he gets it. Uh, but, it but it doesn't look like it's going to be this year, unfortunately. Yeah, I will say the only thing I have against the Rudy Gobert thing is just that the, the Jazz on a top 10 defense at this point. Um, and I know that that's because he hasn't played, but I just think that you, in order to get defense play of the year, your team should be, you know, top 10. That's my beat. But it's not a team award. It's not, it's not, it's not defensive team of the year. It's defensive player of the year. And I get that. I understand what you're saying. And I think that that should definitely hold some weight, but he like by all the metrics, if you look when, when I started digging into this, I was hoping the numbers would be closer between Gobert and Jaron, but they're not. It's a four-point difference. Gobert yeah, is it's pretty big. It's like it's like eight point five. The defense is 
you know, 8.5 points worse when he's off the floor as compared to when he's on the floor. The uh, effective field goal percentage is a massive increase whenever he's off of the floor. And all of those things are, you know, those are positives for Jaron as well, but they're just way better for Gobert. And I, I don't, you look at guys that get votes. Bill, I think it's Bill. Is it, who's the dude, the, the ringer guy? Is it Bill Simmons? Is that his name? Bill Simmons, yeah. Bill Simmons, yeah. yeah. And he just has a disdain for Rudy Gobert. If Rudy Gobert played for the Celtics, this dude would be nothing but Rudy Gobert. That's not the way I was going to go with it, but I'm going to keep it clean. Like he, he would be all about Rudy Gobert, but because he is not a Celtic, this dude hates on Rudy Gobert a ton. And so he's not going to vote for Rudy Gobert because of his disdain for him. And that should not affect your vote. If you are in a position where you get a vote for this stuff, you should base it off of the things that really matter. And to me, the way I can't stand, I, I loathe Joel Embiid. I hate, you know, he talks trash. He doesn't play that many games. I don't think, like, my personal opinion of Joel Embiid, I would not want to vote for him for MVP. And luckily this year, Jokic has the numbers that I wouldn't have to vote for him for MVP. But if Joel Embiid goes out there and he has the biggest impact and I have a vote, then I'm going to vote for the guy that deserves it, whether I like him or not. And you see a lot of these guys just throwing that out there because they don't like somebody they're not voting for. Yeah, I bet mean, that. When, again, man, you have to be impartial when it comes to these awards. I mean, it's not about who you like. It's not a popularity contest. You, you look at the numbers, who deserves the award, and a lot of this stuff that we say, like we see, like you said, it's favoritism. We're talking about market because it doesn't add up. When, when you look at the numbers, why you would have one guy or the other. I mean, you just see a lot of discrepancy. There's no reason why Rudy Gobert shouldn't be number one for the defensive player of the year right now. Like, I know we love Jared, and, and if you look at the numbers, I think it should be Rudy Gobert and Jared right behind him. Um, I, I think yeah. that's, if you're going to be honest, I know we love Jared, but I'm just got to be honest about it. I mean, the numbers are – it's, it's a big did, difference. I think what you said, Rudy Gobert is like eight yeah, point differential when he's off the floor. And I think Jared is close to five points mm-hmm. off the floor. I mean, that's – it is what it is. But, I mean, Jared should should be right there. And I, and I think it, it's definitely politics when it comes to him not being at the top right now. I, yeah. I just think that's what it is. And even when you go back earlier to the season when you were talking about job for MVP when he was really cooking there uh, for, for, for that period, people still – weren't giving him the credit he deserves. Again, I just think it has to do with market. I mean, I, I really do think that plays a part. And, and, and as David said, people outside of Memphis are always like, man, y'all talk about that too much. That's not real. Everybody says that, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's different. Like, it really is. When it comes to Memphis and the Grizzlies, that's a real thing. Like, I don't care what anybody tries to say about it. They do get slighted in a lot of things. I think it's changing. I think Ja's going to help to change that. I think they're winning at the level that they're winning. I think going forward, I think it's going to start to get better. But it's still an issue, uh, but it still hasn't been resolved to this point. But, I, again, I think winning and opportunity to be a championship contender and have a superstar generational talent like Josh that I helped that. But, yeah, man, it's going to take time. Yep. The, the only other guy that, that I would have above Jaron based off of – and, again, i done a pretty deep dive, looked at a lot of the stats, and, and I don't have a vote. I don't know what all of these guys look at. But you can go through and you can see people talking about different statistics. And, you know, Candace mentioned the thing where 
Bridges had, you know, ran the most miles on defense this year. So, you know, I, I go in and I start looking up a bunch of stats. And, and Marcus Smart has plenty of things on his side of his – on, on the defensive side of the floor that you could give him defensive player of the year, and, and I would be okay with that. He He's earned it. But if you're basing it off of the defensive metrics and, and the majority of the defensive metrics that you see people talking about, it's Rudy Gobert in a landslide. Maybe Jaron has another leap next year, and we don't have to worry about the conversation because he does enough that he just runs away with it. But I won't keep being a dead horse. This is the the award thing. I, I've mentioned it a few times that people get the voter fatigue, they get crap like that, and it drives me insane. It should be based off of facts and not your feelings. Yeah, yeah. I agree with yeah. that. I was gonna say definitely. I mean, you saw it. When years when LeBron didn't win MVP, Kobe didn't win it, and years where they deserved it because people just got tired of voting for him. Like they have already won it multiple times. We're gonna gotta go for another guy, and it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's a, a seasonal award, most valuable player for this season. And if a guy is that, you should vote for him. It doesn't matter how many times he's won an award in the past. I know we kind of kind of beat this dead horse and, and and kind of kind of get off subject here, but I mean that's a, a real thing, man. That's that's something that really bothers me too. I mean you see it. See it all the time. I'll say the, the one thing I'm most disappointed about with the whole defensive player of the year situation is just that Jaron doesn't even get in the top, you know, three, three or five. Like he doesn't, he's yeah. not getting any yeah. votes. I think, yeah. I, I don't think I, you know, I really wanted Jaron to win it, but I understand that there are some cases against him in terms of why he wouldn't win it. But I genuinely thought that he would get some votes, some recognition from at least some of the markets. And it just seems like a landslide, not a, not a single voter with a vote I've seen. I was voting for Janet Jackson Jr. And I think that's the most upsetting part. Yeah, well, you hear people talk about it nationally. They have full conversations about him. He never comes up. Like, right. I've watched shows that I'm talking about it, and they'll name five, six, seven guys sometimes and don't even name him, which is ridiculous. Like, I don't even know how that's possible. I mean, it's the same. It's, and, again, it's the same way a lot of times when they were talking about the playoffs. They would talk about all the teams in the West, go all the way down to six, seven, eight, and they'd skip Memphis. And I'm like, you, they're kind of sitting here with the – Second best record in the West, second best record in the NBA. Like, you're forgetting somebody. And, I mean, that's just – it is what it is, man. Yeah, that, you have guys talking about Bam uh, for the Miami Heat. Yeah. Bam, yeah. Bam, Bam only played 56 games this year. Yeah. Love him. He's, he's a great – I think that when when Isaac and I done our pre – like our preview for the season, Bam was the guy that I picked for my defensive player of the year because he is a fantastic defender, but he only played 56 games. That's odd for him. He's generally an Iron Man. He usually plays a lot more games, and I think that if he had played more, that he'd be higher in a lot of people's conversation. But it, it is it's super frustrating when you see a guy and he has five players listed and Jaron Jackson's not on that list because there are not five players in the league this year that were more impactful on the defensive end. You could give me yeah, – we, we, we can talk about Rudy. We can talk about Giannis. We can talk about Marcus Smart. Outside of that, I'm not listening to it. So we'll move away from that. The Grizzlies ended the the regular season on a loss, but it was kind of to be expected. We get the injury report that was it the day before the game, or did they release it the day of that they were setting everybody? It was and the Grizzlies just rested everybody, you know. So I, I want to actually I'm going to ask the questions, and I just want you guys to answer these for me. 
what are your pros and cons for playing those guys in the last game going for the franchise record for wins in a single season as opposed to how the Grizzlies approached it? Uh, for me, I'm, I'm always – I lean toward playing guys. And, and, and the reason why I feel like that is, for me, it's rhythm. Uh, I think – and especially kind of in the Grizzly situation because you're in a situation where – Ja had just missed a bunch of games. He's coming back. And I think even prior to that, they had only played, I think, 12 games with the full starting lineup uh, for, for this team. And, and you're going into the playoffs and you want to – I would like to have seen Ja kind of have the opportunity to lock, knock a little bit more of that rust off. I mean, in the, in the game that he came back against the Pelicans on Saturday, you, you could tell earlier in that game there was a little bit of rust there. He kind of broke out and, and kind of started getting back into a rhythm and looked more like himself as the game went on, but I would have liked him to get another opportunity to get out there in the court, especially with Dylan again, because those guys haven't played a lot in the starting lineup this year. And, and again, 12, got 12 games with the total starting lineup is all we've gotten this year. So for this team specifically, kind of with the way some of the things played out this year, I would have liked to have seen them play everybody. And also it, it's the angle of you could have broke the franchise record for wins. Like I got, I really wanted that for this team. I know when Taylor Jenkins was asked about it, you asked the guys about it. They said they don't really think about those kind of things. Taylor Jenkins is for stuff like that. He said he only probably looks at the standings once a week. Now, if that could be a little bit of coach speak, I, I kind of believe that he they're probably a little bit more aware than that. But I think in, in a general sense, I think he's probably telling the truth. Like that stuff doesn't really matter to them. They said health is paramount, and that's just kind of how they handle it. For me, I'm just always go for the maximum guy. Like if you have an opportunity to break a record or – or, again, play all your guys, try to win every game you can win. That's by nature. That's just kind of the the, the, the guy that I am um, and the mentality that I have. So I would have rather to see them play them. I guess the cons would be, I mean, anytime more, the more opportunities to go, guys go out to the court, the more opportunities they can get hurt. I mean, you can get hurt anytime, but, I mean, you can't deny that an extra game is an extra opportunity for guys to go out there and get injured. Um, and going to the playoffs, I mean, every, all these guys have bumps and bruises. So, I mean, if you want to set some of these guys and, and get them better, I can understand it in that aspect. It just probably wouldn't be the way I would handle it. Uh, if I was a coach, I'm kind of anti, kind of old school when it comes to that. I mean, you look 10, 12 years ago, there was no such thing as injury management or, or anything like that. These guys played every game unless they could. And then that's kind of the way it was. But technology and everything's out now, studies they've done, say that it, it's better to get these guys some rest. But again, I, I think I would have played them, especially – put that record on the line, but that, that's just me. Yeah, I tend to agree with you a little bit. I, you know, I think the team was looking more health than, than the record, obviously, but I, I worry, I worry about the, uh, like their ability to play together. What, what, what's it going to look like? And it's not that I think that we have a ton of stuff to worry about with them because Dylan and Jai played a ton of games together. So it's not like they're going in. This is not a Ben Simmons ordeal where he's new to the team and you're just tossing him in there. This this is guys that have been there over a couple seasons now, and so they've played multiple games together. But, I, I you know, I, I had a, a buddy ask me about it, and he said, why, why are they doing that? Why would they not just play them in this game, even if it was only for the first half, just play them and, you know, keep that chemistry going, let, let it build from there. And, I'm you know, you, you go back to – what year was it when T.A. got hurt and playing in that meaningless game? Was that the 13-14 the season? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so 
there, there's always a risk of something like that happening. Yeah. Yep. But, you know, they, they were playing it safe. I, it's fine. You get your guys healthy. But following that game, you have at least six days off. So you would have had plenty of time to, to rest and get your guys healthy, in my opinion. Is what it is, Candace. Where are you at with that? Are you are you back back with this? Are you just kind of? <laughs> yeah, little, little, yeah, little glitch there too. But uh, but yeah, so I think the the real pro was the opportunity to break the franchise record. That would have been great. I am happy that they at least tied it because it does put them in the conversation for one of the one of the best teams at least in franchise history. Um, so they've got that. Other than that, though, I, I do know the rhythm. I was really happy to see them play, and I see, saw Ja kind of get in the rhythm as he played versus the Pelicans. I was really happy to see that. I was really happy to see the chemistry was actually probably a little bit better than I anticipated. Now it is the Pelicans. Um, but they did have something to play for. They're, they're still, at least at that point, I think they did still have a little to play for. So I don't think they were just tanking that game. Um, but I just liked what I saw out of that. Uh, and I guess maybe I was encouraged enough that I didn't feel – Personally, that was as that it was as necessary to play them in that second game. Um, I I'm not mad at the decision. I, it would have been nice to see them play again. It it really would have, but it, especially against the Boston Celtics, I think that would have been a good opportunity. So I'll stand by that part. But I will say, you know, if, if somebody had gotten hurt, I think that we'd be upset that we played him that we played them in that game. I think that's the bottom line. If, the, if it was Ja that tweaked this angle again or you know Tigers or really any of those guys um they got hurt I think it's I think rhythm is important but I also think we have to look at the other side too and say okay so if, if a player really got hurt game of a virtually meaningless game with no other thing on the line other than the franchise record when we've already tied it um I think we I don't think we see it, it's worth it Personal. Yeah, I, I was, I was going to say that, yeah, definitely people would have been upset because you see the situation in Dallas. They had something to play for in that game. They still had an opportunity at that point to possibly be the three seed over the four. And you see Luka end up getting hurt, and they're killing Jason Kidd in Dallas right now, saying, like, why did you have him in that game? And every time I see somebody say that, I was like, that game was important for them. Like, they right. at that point, they didn't know whether they were going to be the three or four seed. If they won that game, go say that loss, they would have been the three seed. Right. And people are just killing them right now. Like, I mean, they they had to play him in that game. Like, why would you sit him in that game? I understand in hindsight, like, you wish you hadn't sit him, especially when it didn't work out anyway. The Golden State ended up winning. Uh, so you would have been a four seed anyway. But I understand. I don't blame Jason Kidd for that. I don't think he's a great coach. And you can think about whatever you want to think about him as a person. But I don't blame him for playing Luke in that game. And they were up big. And I think that was in the third quarter when he left. And they had been, he basically said that, he wasn't going to play the guys in the fourth quarter, uh, but he just happened to get hurt there at the end of the third quarter. And that's just a risk, man. I mean, anytime guys step on the court, that's a risk, but you can't be sitting guys when you have something to play for. And that's kind of what we've talked about with Golden State. Like, I don't like what they're, they're doing. Uh, I mean, you, you're in, a, in the middle of a seating race and you're resting guys on back-to-backs. Like, I didn't – the way they played that, I mean, they played with their food the whole last month. And it's going to be interesting to see can they flip a switch when you go into playoffs because they don't have – they're, they haven't played together in a while. I mean, you've had Clay in and out all year. You had Draymond missing a lot of time. Steph's out right now. You're going to be trying to bring him back in, and you've had guys in and out of lineup. How are they going to handle the Jordan Poole thing? Is he going to go to the bench? I mean, they have a lot of question marks, and they haven't played together as a unit in a while, and you're going to try to integrate Steph back in. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that team. Uh, but, again, fundamentally, I'm just for going forward uh, most of the time. I mean, I know 
again, that's just the way of the world now, the way the NBA, they're going to rest guys at times, but it's definitely not my favorite thing. Yeah, I, I, and it, like I said, it may just be because I felt encouraged by what I did see, so, so that may be swaying my opinion, but uh, I, I just think you got to look at, I think Golden State is the extreme of the example that you're giving, I think Isaac, you're, you're right. I think that the way Golden State the way that the Golden State Warriors handled that situation is absolutely baffling to me because they were they seem to be resting guys for like a month and a half despite already having health issues. So I don't really get I don't understand what it is they expected to gain from it. I don't really know um, their thinking behind it. I don't understand that. Um, but then you also got the other extreme, which is what happened with Luca, and like you said, they did have something to play with. In the Grizzlies case, they did not have anything to play with play four other than the franchise record um they already tied it and so I you know I, I think I'm okay with them resting I think I'm at peace with it I'm okay with it I think they feel like between the rest and the practices they that the live reps against the Pelicans like would you like would you like to see more yes but I also think you got to consider our you know first round opponents it was either the Clippers or the Timber the uh, Timberwolves who will face and we didn't know at the time we know now it's the Timberwolves but either way you know, I think generally the fan base has felt confident that they can handle that series. And that may have also went into some of the decision, too, is just considering your opponent. Uh, you might have, you, especially if it was Clippers, you might have a little bit more leeway, um, even if there was a little bit more rust than what appeared to be. I think going back to the matchup, the, the Dallas thing, Golden State was playing the Pelicans uh, on Sunday night. That was a matchup, Golden State versus New Orleans. And New Orleans had a possibility if the Spurs win their game, then New Orleans could have fallen to the 10 seed and been playing at San Antonio instead of playing at home. Yeah. And so if you're Dallas, you've got to look at that. You know, I, I know that Jason Kidd and his coaching staff knew, hey, you know, Golden State's probably going to win this game, more than likely going to win this game, but the Pelicans are not likely to roll over because of where they're at. And then I, I think that uh, the the Pelicans, the, the Spurs ended up uh, losing that game. And so the Pelicans, after that game was over, they ended up just playing their guys. I think, um, man, I want to say that um, – McCollum, yeah, yeah. CJ McCollum played for like six minutes in that game, and then they yeah. played all of their bench guys. And so it, th there's a lot that factors into it. Dallas went on to take care of business. They went on to win that game. So if Golden State happened to lose, they would have been that three seed, and that makes a big difference as to where you know playing as the three instead of the four. It, it, I'm fine with what Jason Kidd did. It's it's extremely unfortunate what went down with Luca. But what's to say, you know, if, if he doesn't play him in that game and they go into the, you know, the first playoff series, who says that doesn't happen in game one? Are you going to be mad at him then? It's Injuries are not something that you can tr control. You can be safe, but I, I don't think that there's ever a call that you have to be just overly cautious. Yeah, and yeah, I, I, they had something to play for, so it made, it made sense. For them. I think it would have been crazy for them to sit up, but the Grizzlies did not, and so I think that's the difference. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I don't understand their fans. I mean, because they just understand that they had something to play for. Like, I, I see people on Twitter and Mavericks fans keep jumping on this. Like, why was Luca in that game? And I'm like, I mean, they had a, they had something to play for. Like, I don't understand why y'all don't understand it. But I was gonna say right here, but while we were talking, uh, the Grizzlies just put out their press release with the rest of the schedule uh, for for the first round series. Uh, obviously, game one is Saturday, April this this Saturday at two thirty, April sixteenth on ESPN. 
Uh, game two is actually on Tuesday. Uh, I, I was thinking it was going to be on Monday, uh, but they're giving them uh, with that two days off in between. That's kind of usually they do one off uh, game, one off, and then the game. But they're giving them two days off, uh, so they're going to play on Tuesday at FedEx Forum. That'll be game two. Game three is going to be Thursday in Minnesota. Game four Saturday, um, and that game five would be back that next Tuesday, uh, back back in Memphis. Um, and game six would be Friday, April the 29th. And game seven, if possible, would be, if necessary, would be Sunday, May 1st. Uh, so that's kind of the schedule for the first round that just dropped Wizards press release. That that looks like a pretty well-rested schedule. That's just my initial thought as you go through that. It's just, it seems not not just the Saturday, Tuesday, but um, there's another, you know, there's Thursday, Saturday is pretty good. But then you got Saturday to Tuesday again. Um, I, I think it's, I think it's great for the Grizzlies in terms of um, wrestling guys, game planning. Um, I like that a lot, actually. Yeah, because I was going to say, if it goes game six, you got Tuesday, Friday from right. game five to six. So, I mean, yeah, that's that seems like more than they usually do. Because, again, I think it usually be it's every other day, and then they have a couple of days for travel, then it's every other day again. That, right. that Saturday, Tuesday, that's kind of weird. They usually don't give that much time in between. Yeah, that, that's got to be a TV ratings thing, man. That, that has to be what that is. I can't think that that's anything – other than that, because initially I thought it was set up. If you're playing on Saturday, it's Saturday, Monday. Yeah, that is usually what it is. On Sunday, you play Sunday, Tuesday. Sunday, so. Tuesday, right. yeah. Right. A L- little bit so. weird. Um, but it's an advantage, so, so we'll take it. No complaints. Yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. You know, your, your star players coming back off of an injury, give them that extra day of rest, I'll take it. Especially I, I do want to do one, one, one more short there. thing before we, uh, before we get out of here. And I mentioned this a little bit before we started recording, so I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. You've had a little time to think about it. Whether you did or didn't, we'll find out. Candace, I'll start with you. What was your favorite moment um, from the, from this season? Favorite moment? Uh, it's got to be – it is tough because there's a, there's, a there's a lot of really great moments. Uh, I want to go with the game I was there for, though. I'm going to go – for the uh, John Morant 52-point game. Um, that was my birthday, and um, it was just incredible to watch. The dunk on on Podal, the the uh, three, the, the, the uh, it wasn't a game winner, but the uh, buzzer beater to end the third quarter. Uh, just an incredible game, incredible energy, just to be there when history was made. Um, I'd just never seen anything like that in person, and I had great seats, too, so everything was up, up close. So I, I'd say that's my favorite. Um, if I had to have a second one, it'd probably be the, the win against the Suns, the second one, where I, when our bench beat the Suns. But um, I'll go with the first just because I was there for that. All right. Fair enough. Isaac, what about you, man? You got a favorite moment from this season? He's going to have to unmute his mic before he tells us what it is. Either that uh, he, he's I think he's running <laughs> no. away. It's technology no. day, man. I'm telling you, he's struggling. No, man, I, I was hoping that she picks up the different. Uh, that, that's the same one for me, I think. No, he's taking the easy way out. That was just a special night, man. Read my mind. Just a special night, man. 52 points. I mean, you, and then you add that dunk on Yaka Pirtle, which is definitely a dunk of the year candidate. I mean, probably Jai had been trying to get that one for a while, man. He finally, finally got it. And on a big man like that, made it even more special. But uh, just everything that happened in that game, I mean, you had the, the the shot at the end of the end of the second half, uh, second, the end of the second quarter going into halftime. With the touchdown pass from Stephen Adams, I mean, he just had all kind of stuff going on in that game, and I love the fact that the team knew that he was trying to get fifty, and they did everything they could at the end of the game to give him the basketball. The Mace yeah. Reed got there. I, I love that. 
and Kendrick's talking about the game of the other night against Phoenix with our bench uh, basically beating them. I mean, the Santiago dump or reverse dunk, pump fake and reverse dunk, I think yeah. it's going to be a great moment when you look back at, on, on the season. And I think it was a kind of a, a representation of this entire season and what it's been. I mean, next man up, that's what this team has been. Um, and I think that that dunk and, and the celebration on the bench is just was staple in history about what this team was. I mean, when guys went out, you had guys coming in doing big things, and I think that game was special in there because you that's not going to happen, man. You're going to beat the the number one team in the league with people say B squad. I was like almost like B minus C squad with yeah. the people they had on the floor, man, to go out and beat Phoenix like that. That was special. So both of those moments were really special for me. So I'm going to go a different route, and the reason being was – before Steven Adams, before this trade happened, a lot of Grizz Nation despised Steven Adams because you know, he got who suspended, whatever, you know, like when he, the, the moment against Chicago, when he picked up that grown ass <laughs> yeah. man yeah. and he carried him like all the way across the floor to get him away from Moran. I feel like a lot of people that were still holding that grudge against Steven Adams, they shifted at that point. It was at that point you realize Steven Adams, all right, like he, he's Memphis. You know, he's he's obviously, you know, the 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 accent and all of that stuff. But that that is something that when when you look back at a tape of this season, I think that you will see that moment right there because it's it's just crazy because he's not picking up a guy that's like, you know, six two. This is another seven-footer that he's picking up and just toting down the floor like it's nothing. And that was great for me. I, I love that moment that the dunk on, on Pirtle in that game was just ridiculous. That's got to be a candidate for dunk of the year. De'Anthony Melton almost had us another one. Like, that That was uh, very, very close to rivaling Jaws' dunk. Um, just barely – I think he pulled it back just a hair too far to, to get it down there in that, that final game. Santi Aldama, love what we saw from him. The the man, what was he? Twenty and ten, the last game. I think that's what he ended with, or was it twenty two and ten? Anyway, it was a twenty and ten game. I don't I don't know if he ended up getting over twenty points, but just great to see Zach Kleiman and this front office what they're putting together, and then that matchup against Phoenix. When you watch the young guys beat that team, it's like holy freaking crap. I really, at that moment right there, I, I had confidence that this team could win a championship this year. I loved what they were doing. I had a feeling that they were going to make a deep run into the playoffs, but I wasn't sure that they had what it takes to win a championship. And when they beat Phoenix the way that they did without basically anybody, like it was a lot of guys that were not playing rotation time, rotation yep. minutes throughout the year. When they won that game, I'm like, okay, Phoenix were playing the starters. Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, all of their starters played in that game, and the Grizzlies won, and that was that was huge. Yeah. If I, if I had to give an honorable mention, I, I'd probably give out the Lakers game uh, the with the block. Ja had that incredible block in the Lakers game, and uh, Desmond Bain told, told LeBron James that uh, nobody's good at them footsteps. And the Lakers proceeded to, unfortunately, for the Grizzlies, go 14 and uh, 46 after Desmond Bain told him that. So I think that crushed his confidence and changed the trajectory of the Lakers season, apparently. But um, I'd give that game honorable honorable mention. 
Yeah, I was going to say, man, the, the, the Jitty triple-double uh, in, in the last game. I mean, same thing I kind of said with um, them, them trying to make sure Ja got tipped. They made sure that Jitty got that triple-double. I mean, and that's just what's so special about this team. And to go back to David's point about looking at the, the Phoenix game, and, and that's kind of the point where he really felt like they could win a championship, is just the culture. And I think when you create a culture, it breeds things like that. Like, you have your – second and third string guys able to go out and win a game like that because no matter who's out there on the floor, they're playing Grizzlies basketball. They're not, they're not, most teams, if you go in that deep into the bench, they're just out there playing. Like it's not the same. They're not running the same stuff. They're not doing anything. They're just out there playing with this team. They're still going to go out there and help their business the same way they would. Whereas the job was out there was Dylan Brooks was out. Whereas any of these guys are out, they're just going to go out there and play, listen to coach, play Grizzlies basketball and, they win, they still able to win games. And I think that's why they were able to do that so much throughout the year. And that's just a testament to their depth and to this coaching staff. And, and again, I think, as David said, I think that's one reason to believe that this team is legit and they have a legit chance to go all the way this year. Just a special season. A lot of things that you saw from this team this year is just stuff that you just don't usually see, especially with a team this young. I mean, this, this team is still supposed to be in a rebuild. And we're sitting here with a year where we finished second in the NBA. I mean, that's right. just amazing stuff. Like, I don't – we've talked about it so much throughout the year. Like, you don't even know what words to say about it anymore. It's just amazing. Um, and from top to bottom, this organization is first class, man, and that's pretty much all I, all I can say about it. I, I like to end on this note. And I, I think one of the – in addition to everything that you said, Isaac, I, I completely agree. I, I think that what a thing that, for me, made this team special, with that next man up mentality – um, with that sort of uh, nothing, no obstacles getting in your way mentality that this team really embraced in a way that really no t- other team has been able to do. I think that really represents the spirit of the city of Memphis. And so I think it's special in that way. When you had the grit and grind era, I think that's what made uh, that connection, just that hustle, that mentality uh, was such a strong embodiment of what Memphis represented. And yet we've been able to have another team that's that's taken another element of that um, and made it its own in its own unique way. It's very different. It looks very different. Um, but the connection and, and the the uh, special connection that that has between the team and the city, I think that is the same. Um, and that that's incredible. That That's hard to – that's rare to see. Um, and I think that um, – I'm, I'm just I'm just happy. I'm, I'm happy. I think, um, you know, that number two, number two seed going to Memphis, that's a little bit of luck. But like you said, this front office did an excellent job of putting this team together, creating this culture. Um, and, and it's something that we can really be proud of here in, in Memphis. Yep, I, I agree with you guys. We will go ahead and, and wrap this up. We don't have a box score tonight, so we don't have to jump into that. I'm going to do one thing before I get out here, and I don't generally do this. Uh, Candace has been with us now. She's definitely going through the playoffs with us, and she'll be back as we go into next season, but keep an eye out. Her podcast covering the Seahawks for sports ethos is going to be coming out pretty soon. I assume, mm-hmm. I, I don't think she's changed her mind on that, no. but sports ethos <laughs> has been kind of dragging their feet on the football division. They finally got their head football guy locked in. If you are interested in covering an NFL team, the Seahawks right now are the only team that are spoken for. If you're interested in doing a podcast, covering an NFL team, get at me on Twitter. I'm at David W two one, 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 send me a message, follow me. I'll follow you back. You can send me a message. You can add me, whatever. We'll get together. We'll talk about it. If you are interested, we can get you going on that. 
pretty much every NFL team is available. So keep an eye out for Candace's podcast. Holler at me if you want to get into podcasting for an NFL team. Follow the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzly. Candace is gonna let you know where she can find where where she can find her. She knows where she's at. <laughs> where you can find her, and then Isaac is gonna get us out of here. All right. Well, thank, thanks, David. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, thanks, David. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about the podcast. So if you guys check it out, if you ever wondered why my Twitter name is at Seahawks, it's because uh, I made the Twitter <laughs> to cover the Seahawks page. And so, uh, but I'm from Memphis, so hence the 901. So if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, get updates on any of that. Find me at C as in cat, Hawks 901. That's C as in cat, Hawks 901. Take us out, Isaac. Uh, yeah, before I get us out of here, man, I, I want to get a prediction on, on the series. Uh, Grizzlies Timberwolves, of course, skip tipping off on Saturday, game one, 2.30 at FedEx Forum. Um, I'll go first. I'm going to say Grizzlies in six. I think I think the Timberwolves are going to – I think these games are going to be close. It's going to be physical. Uh, we've seen that. But I think the addition of Dylan Brooks, uh, I think it's going to make a big difference in this series. And as I've said, and I'm trying to caution people, playoff basketball is, is different than regular season basketball. When you're focusing in on, on, on one team and not worrying about the next team that you play in that night, just everything that you do is schemed toward beating that one opponent. I think Taylor Jenkins is going to have a scheme. Some of the, the problems that the Timberwolves gave them, I think over a playoff series, I think they're going to figure some of that stuff out. And again, I think having Dylan Brooks back is going to go a long ways in that. So I'm going to say Grizzlies in six. David, who you got? Uh, I really want to shut up the loudest fan base that's been mouthing all year. <laughs> Grizzlies in five. Uh, okay. All right. all right. I love Step it. Step it out there. I love got it. no problem with it. <laughs> I, I really want to say day. I really want to say Grizz in five, but I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna give the the Timberwolves a little credit. Uh, I'm gonna go Grizz in six, but I'm I'm standing firm in that Grizz in six. We don't get to a game seven. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it goes seven. I I just think in the end, I think the Grizz are a better team. Um, you, you talk about Patrick Beverly has some playoff experience in Cat and Delo, but I think even the Grizzlies have, even though they're young, I, I think some of the things they've been through, like they're playing. Last year, being in a series with Utah, I think that gives them a little bit of an advantage experience-wise over, over this Timberwolves team. And I just think, in the end, I think they're going to have the best player on the floor in, in John Moran in, in every game, and I think it's going to win out. Talent usually wins out in playoffs. I also think I got to give Taylor Jenkins not, – not to say that Chris Finch is not a good coach, but I think the Grizzlies have the superior coach, and I just, I just think they end up winning the series. I, I It wouldn't shock me, though, if they won in five, so I'm not going to completely – this right. made it, but but I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a couple. I think just kind of got the series went uh, over the season. I think they'll win a couple games. But you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. It's I S A A C underscore Rivals. Man, again, man, it's excited, man. Game one uh, over at FedEx Forum, two thirty on Saturday. Um, I think game one is usually the, the big one. I think if the Grizzlies win game one, I think they'll win both of them at home. I think usually when a team. The road team steals one of those games. It's usually game one. Uh, you kind of catch a team off guard, excited, coming there, and you, and you take that game one. I think the Grizz are going to handle business game one. I think they're going to win both of those games and be up 2-0. Going back to Minnesota. But, again, man, we'll be back uh, later this weekend. Uh, we'll wrap up game one. Hopefully we'll be talking about a 1-0-7 Grizzlies lead. Uh, so make sure you check out one hour the next Give us a like and follow. We appreciate that. And until next time, we go. presentation.